everyone. This is Amanda Borchel Dan. And I'm Jessica Steinberg, your host for Times Will Tell, a weekly podcast from the Times of Israel. Hi, everyone. This is Amanda Borchel Dan. This week on Times Will Tell, we are speaking about evangelical support for Israel with Dr. Moti Inbari. Born, raised, and educated in Israel, Moti is today a professor of religious studies at the University of North Carolina at Pembroke. While most of his previous research has focused on Jews, his forthcoming book, which was co-authored with Kirill Buman, is Christian Zionism of the 21st Century, Evangelical Public Opinion on Israel. It's expected in 2023 from Oxford University Press. The book is based on four consecutive surveys on the attitudes of American evangelicals on Israel. We learned that there is no such thing as a monolithic evangelical block. We hear how politics and other factors such as age and race can impact support for Israel and how the past five decades have shaped the ways in which evangelical theology has evolved along with their views on Jews' roles in the Holy Land. It's fascinating stuff. I hope you enjoy the conversation as much as I did. Hi, Moti. Thank you so much for joining me today. Where am I finding you today? In Raleigh, North Carolina. We are here to speak about work that you're doing for your forthcoming book on Christian Zionism in the 21st century, and specifically about evangelical public opinion on Israel. You've had so far four surveys, and we're going to talk about some of the results. But to begin with, can you tell me, what is a nice Jewish boy like you doing researching evangelicals? <laughs> it's, uh, it's an interesting um, answer that I, I can offer. So I moved to North Carolina about uh, 13 years ago, and I'm, I'm, I'm working at the University of North Carolina at Pembroke. And so Pembroke is really inside the Bible Belt. And um, I was just, uh, I always had an interest in Christian Zionism, and I thought I knew what Christian Zionism is. Uh, but uh, when moving to uh, Lumberton, North Carolina, I had all kind of neighbors and when I was speaking with these neighbors, they're all evangelicals, but each one of them was taking a different approach to the question of Israel. And I was surprised to see this big range of opinions on, on Israel among evangelicals, which I thought I knew uh, what they think. And so uh, over the years, kind of the idea of surveying evangelicals and trying to figure out uh, how grassroots are thinking about the question of Israel uh, kind of developed in my mind, and especially since I'm in this climate where everyone around me is even evangelical. So this is how uh, the idea came to be. Okay, so let's define this term a little bit. What is an evangelical? It sounds like not a monolithic person. Yes. So um, in our surveys, we, uh, we made it simple. We just asked, uh, the opening question was, are you an evangelical or a born-again Christian? And if someone said yes, that was enough for us for uh, for definition of an evangelical. But um, typically, uh, an evangelical is a person that has gone through uh, um, this experience of being born again, you know, so accepting Jesus as his personal savior, accepting the word of God in a literal way, um, a belief that there is a heaven that is awaiting after after someone dies, 
um, the um, the belief that uh, Jesus was a was a son of a, a son of a virgin. So these are some declarations of faith that are uh, that come to that. So when we when we constructed uh, surveys, uh, we just have to you have to pay by the questions. So we could have asked all so many questions about how you define an evangelical and what evangelical means. But then we have to pay for each <laughs> of these questions. So we took the a shortcut, which is just the self-identifying evangelicals. And, but then we added this label of born again. So here we need to say something uh, about that. So apparently there are some people who are, can definitely fit into the category of an evangelical, but they are not feeling so comfortable with this title of being an evangelical. Why? because it's typically associated with white people. So this born again label typically is for those black or Hispanic uh, evangelicals. They don't want to be called evangelicals because it's typically associated with white. So this is the alternative, born again. Oh, it's so interesting, really. And, you know, I live in Israel, and so I'm not so exposed to this, and I've been here for decades. So I wonder, again, can you be an evangelical Baptist, an evangelical Presbyterian, or is evangelical its own stream of Christianity? No, it's a, it's a title that encompasses a lot of streams. And actually, what, um, as you mentioned, Baptist, Pentecostal, and the third uh, most, uh, the largest evangelical movement is what they call non-denominational. So non, most of the non-denominational churches are evangelical churches, and this is actually a fast-growing and, uh, and a very large movement within the evangelical kind of big tent of evangelism. And why, do they, why, do, uh, why are they non-denominational? Basically because they don't want to be labeled as Baptist or Pentecostal. They want to be outside of the labels, which tells you about the movement now, the, the, the most current you know, thinking inside this movement that people don't want to be labeled in a, in a very certain way. They're just Christians. It's so interesting. And if you don't want to be labeled, perhaps you don't want to be uh, weighed down with any kind of traditions. And that kind of seems like what you're seeing, what we're seeing in your survey in terms of the shifting of generational uh, thinking. But let's not get too far ahead of ourselves. I'd like also, if you don't mind, just for you to define for us a little bit of the theological terms uh, surrounding evangelicals, including end times theology and supersessionism. Yes. So well, these are very big uh, subjects. But um, the evangelical movement historically was uh, built around these notions that uh, the second coming of Jesus Christ is an event that's going to take place in the near future. And this movement, this stream inside the big tent of evangelism is called premillennial dispensationalism. Premillennial meaning that the millennium, the second coming, uh, is an event that's going to happen in the future. And this was really a movement that, uh, that uh, brought together a lot of people with a lot of enthusiasm and a lot of energy. We're talking about the 19th century, the beginning of the 20th century, uh, against the most dominant streams, other two streams that were dominant um, among many Christians, which is amillennial uh, and postmillennial. So the amillennials are basically saying, yeah, Jesus will come at the end of days, but we really don't, don't wait for that moment. Now, if it would happen, it would happen, but we are living in the present. And Jesus is in the skies, and there's, it's not going to merge. It's not going to merge. So the Premillennial said, no, no, it is going to merge. Jesus is going to come down and it's going to happen soon. And the signs are testifying for that. 
and the, and the third uh, movement within is the post-millennials, they, they don't really expect Jesus to come at all. They think that they, people can bring their own salvation with their own hands. They don't need to wait for heaven, to, for God to come from the, from the clouds and solve things. Um, this is a very optimistic movement that was established in the 19th century with the Enlightenment. And so, um, so the evangelicals in, the, in Britain and then in the United States, mostly in the United States, have, have come, come up with these uh, premillennial ideas that um, expect the second coming to be an event that's going to take place in the near future. And this is where the question of Jews fits in. Because according, if you read the Bible literally, and especially the book of Revelations and some of the prophecies from the prophets, you see that second coming and has to be connected with some kind of Jewish revival. Jews have to come to their land and establish their, their own independent state. They have to reestablish the temple and they have to, uh, they have, to have uh, their own Messiah, which is a false Messiah. So these are... And then after all of those steps will take place, Jesus will be allowed, will be able to come down from the clouds. So this is why premillennial dispensationalists basically were very much connected with, with, the, with Jews. And I understood that, there's a, that if they want to see Jesus, they have to, they have to help the Jews build their own state and build their own institutions. And after 1967, when Israel took the Temple Mount, this became like a huge you know, movement that uh, really expects that things would happen. But from 1967, we're already 50 years, or if I do the math correctly, you know, I'm a, yeah, more than 50 years, and so and this has not happened. So this is where doubts starting to get, you know, to kick in. So um, what we realized in our surveys, and not just the one that we're going to talk about today, is um, that premillennial dispensationalism is definitely um, the uh, ideological point of view of the elite, of the pastors. And there's a large majority among pastors who support premillennial dispensationalism. But when you look beyond the pastors to the grassroots, you see that there is a decline of this ideology. Okay, that, that makes a lot of sense that the pastors would have a firm grasp of the theology and the people in the pews may have a, more of a gut feeling of why they would want to support Israel or not. Is that correct? Yes. So what we found in our surveys, in multiple surveys, is that evangelicals, when they are looking at Israel now it, on the grassroots level and support Israel, it is not because of the expectations of the second coming and Jesus. It is because of the biblical reading that God made uh, um, a covenant with the Jewish people. And this is, this is where the, their theology now is standing at this point. Okay, if I understand correctly about uh, evangelicals, uh, you know, it's very difficult to talk about them in these monolithic uh, terms, but uh, there's a tendency to read the Bible privately, not just to get the Word of God through the pastor, correct? That everyone is reading his own Bible and taking on his own uh, interpretation of it. Is that right? Yes, absolutely. This is a Protestant, uh, this is a very basic Protestant uh, discipline that you have to read the Bible by yourself. 
Okay. And so that makes a lot of sense if you're talking about the covenant, the idea of the covenant. So what is the covenant? And are there some evangelicals who believe that the covenant has actually been uh, fulfilled with Christianity? Okay. So you asked me that in the previous question and I forgot to answer. This is called supersessionism. Supersessionism is the idea that the Christian church has uh, fulfilled and replaced the covenant that God has made with the Jewish people with a new covenant, a new testament, that with, the, with, with those who accepted Jesus as their personal uh, savior. This has been the doctrine of Christians for thousands of years. This is what she, but with, with the rise of premillennial dispensationalism, with the 19th century, kind of these ideas have started to crack. And, and a more of a, a view that says that there are two covenants. That there's covenant God has made with the Jewish people. It's written in the Bible. The word of God in the Bible is true and should be taken uh, as, as it's written, literally. And then there's a second covenant that God has made with humanity. So there's one for with the Jews and one with humanity. And these two covenants are not in contradiction with one another. So absolutely so. Those views among evangelicals are in competition. Because what we have seen in our surveys is that um, premillennial dispensationalism is actually declining among the grassroots. The reason why it is declining is probably because it is so heavily reliant on uh, fulfillment of prophecies Yes, and since prophecies are not being fulfilled yet for 50 years, at some point people start becoming more skeptical about those things, yes? So they are shifting to the older versions of amillennial or postmillennial ideologies, which uh, put less emphasis on Jews and Israel. They are not so dependent on those things. And so what we have seen that there are some evangelical movements inside the big tent of evangelicals, like the, the, the Lutheran Church of Missouri Synod, or Churches of Christ, that they are uh, actually supporting the ideas of supersessionism, meaning that the church replaced the Jews. So inside this big tent of evangelicals, there are movements and there are opinions, and not necessarily all of them align uh, with one another. So there, definitely there's a variety of opinions. Not all of them are actually pro-Israel or so supportive of Jews. Hi, podcast listeners. The Times of Israel is celebrating a decade this year, and I'm happy to invite you to the second evening of our TOI at 10 live events series. Join us July 6th at Jerusalem's Begin Center for Ancient Jerusalem Revealed, Myth-Busting the Holy City's Destructions. The evening features archaeologist Professor Jody Magnus and Dr. Joe Uziel in conversation with me, Amanda Borchel-Dan. We'll discuss how archaeology unveils hidden clues into what actually happened during the destructions of the First and Second Temples. Did Titus really intend to demolish the Second Temple? How reliable is the biblical account vis-a-vis the archaeological proof of the Babylonian conquest? The conversations will be accompanied by live music. And if you're in Israel, please join us. If you're not, we'll share a recording after the event exclusively with our TOI community members. 
For more information and tickets, go to timesofisrael.com slash TOI10. That's timesofisrael.com slash TOI10. I hope to see you there. Technion Israel Institute of Technology is where some of Israel's brightest minds ask the biggest question of all. What if? What if they could take on the world's biggest challenges? What if they could develop life-changing environmental, scientific, health, medical, and technological discoveries that will make a huge impact on Israel and the planet? But they don't just ask the question, they answer it too. They turn those ideas into reality. They make them happen. To see just some of the incredible things they've achieved, get the Technion Booklet of Wonders at ats.org wonders. We hope it inspires you to give them your support so they can keep doing what they do best. The American Technion Society. World-changing discoveries by Israel's brightest minds made possible by you. Okay, so let's drill down about who actually does support the Jews right now. A meeting, is it dependent upon age or gender or affluence? Or what are the factors that make an evangelical supportive or not of Israel? Okay, so one thing I want to uh, remind our listeners is that evangelicals are Americans. And so there are some trends among Americans that are also true for evangelicals. So, and the most important thing to understand about American public opinion on Israel today is that there is a generational difference among all sections of American society uh, about uh, opinions on Israel. Uh, And the the rule is that the younger the American, the less supportive he, he or she would be. The older the American, the more supportive he and she would be. And the largest support for Israel is actually from what we call the boomers, the baby boomers. Yeah, so the, older, the, the oldest generations are the most supportive of Israel in American society, and it's true also among evangelicals. So, and another thing which is also uh, true about, about, about Americans is that if Americans are supporting the Democratic Party, they tend to be less supportive of Israel. If they are supportive of the Republican Party, they are more supportive of Israel. This is true among all Americans. It's also true among evangelicals. Okay, that's really interesting, and I don't mean to break in again, because just uh, anecdotally, the philosophy or the overriding thought process in Israel is that evangelicals are this monolithic body, Republican, supporting Israel, everyone. And what you're saying just now is mind-blowing in a way, because you're saying, no, evangelicals are Democrats, they have a variety of political opinions, etc., etc. So please go on. Yes. So, okay. So here we, we go to the methodological, to the, to the little print, you know, of those surveys. So um, typically in America, when people talk about evangelical, they talk about white evangelicals. So, and sometimes they say white evangelicals, sometimes they don't say white evangelicals, but they assume we're talking about the white section of the evangelical community. And uh, 
we uh, try to look at the big tent of evangelicals, those who are, this is their own religious identity as people of faith. And when you look at the demographics of evangelicals, what you see that about 60 to 65% of evangelicals are white. About 25% of evangelicals are black. And about 10 to 15, depends on how you count, are Hispanic. So white evangelicals are indeed are in the Republican camp. That's true. But if you look at evangelicals as a bigger movement that includes about uh, 40%, 35% of it is not white, then you see a much more complex picture. And how many evangelicals are there in the United States? This is also this is also the small print. <laughs> you have to read the small print very carefully. Uh, if you are looking at evangelicals as uh, the, the big tent of evangelicals that include all races, we are talking about 25 to 30% of American population. If you're looking only at the white section of it, we're talking about, uh, you know, 12%, 15% really depends upon how you count it. So uh, we in our surveys are looking at the big tent of evangelicals overall, and we have some interesting insights about that. So, but in terms of the politics of evangelicals, the, how they vote in the elections and so on, but if you, if, you look at the, if you look only at the white section of evangelicals, you see them definitely in the Republican side. If you look at evangelicals uh, with all races, you see a split that kind of uh, is uh, similar to how the results of the elections actually turned out. So it's kind of like a 50-50 break with a little leaning toward Republican, but it's kind of like 50-50. And, but when it comes to questions of Israel, and we have tested it among you know, in multiple surveys, what we have noticed that when it comes to Israel, evangelicals of all races have more or less similar opinions, meaning uh, the support for Israel among white evangelicals, black evangelicals, and Hispanic evangelicals are more or less the same. We have to take, calculate also the, the issues of age younger evangelicals altogether are less supportive of Israel. Older evangelicals are more supportive of Israel. Now, one of the other things that you've been checking out, because you've had this uh, survey going on for the past, uh, what, four or five years, is how war in Israel, conflict in Israel, has affected attitudes among evangelicals in the States. So tell us a little bit about that, too. Yes. So in our first survey that we uh, conducted was in 2018, after Trump uh, announced that Israel, he will be moving the embassy to Jerusalem. And there was a big uh, enthusiastic um, like trend among the evangelicals. This was another sign. Many of them saw it as a sign of the end days. And there was a lot of support among the evangelicals for this, for this event. So we tested, we tested it in the good times, yes, where everyone was happy and the embassy is moving to Jerusalem. And we saw, in a, we, have, we have a basic question that we ask in all of our surveys, which is in the, in the case of the Israeli-Palestinian dispute, where do you place your support? And we give a range between the Palestinians to Israel on a scale of seven, and there's in the middle, there's support neither. And there's an I don't know option as well, if someone doesn't want to. So what we have seen in that 2018 is that the, the numbers came to 75% said that they support Israel. The Palestinians received almost zero. So it was 2.5%, almost zero. 
uh, 75% in 2018. So, and then there was the war in 2021. And besides that war, there were all other things that were going on in the background in 2021. So first of all, uh, Trump was no longer the president. And Netanyahu has just lost his seat. So we decided to go quickly to the field and to ask these questions again. What do you think about, you know, the Trump and Netanyahu and the war? How does it affect your views and so on? And so we asked the same question. Remember, in 2018, we got 75 percent. In 2021, after the war, about we came, went to the field two months after the war, the numbers dropped to 50 percent, where they... Uh, Support for the Palestinians grew from 2.5% to 20%, something like that. So we definitely saw a shift. So this helped us kind of see the range. In the good days, Israel gets 75%. In bad days, the, the numbers drop to 50%. And this is the range of evangelical support for Israel, yes. Hugely fascinating. And again, you saw a huge shift among the youth, correct? That was the most drastic shift? Yes, yes. The most drastic shift is among young evangelicals. And so from one hand, you know, you can, you can say it makes sense because young people think differently than their parents and their grandparents, you know. They want to be different. They want to think different. And those who study the, the, the evangelical community, young evangelicals, how they look at the political questions, how, how they looked at Trump, how they look. So we definitely see that young evangelicals are different than their parents, not just on Israel, on multiple questions. Basically, there's one, one topic that unifies all evangelicals, which is abortions. And, uh, uh, but besides that, young evangelicals are definitely more to the center and even to the left. So the question, the big question is, of course, what would happen as they age, as they grow and age? So there is a place to uh, believe that they might become more conservative as they age. There's, uh, there's theory about that, that as, the, as evangelicals, as people age, they become more conservative. So this is one thing. And another thing that we saw in our research is that when people are, are more living the lifestyle of the evangelical subculture, meaning they go to church often, they read the Bible often, they tend to be more supportive of Israel. When people who are taking the label of evangelical, they identify themselves as evangelicals, but they don't go to church so often and they don't do practice religion so often, we see them more distant from Israel. So what would be with this age, with this group, those who are more distant from the evangelical sub, they still identify as evangelical as they age and they grow and they become older, would they just drop the evangelical label altogether? It might be. Or they will become more part of the, they may, so they may end up uh, become practicing more the evangelical lifestyle. And then we can say that it, when it comes to Israel, those who are more like uh, practicing tend to be more supportive of Israel. So we know that there are, there's a core and there's a periphery. What will be with this periphery as time would come, as time would pass? This is the big question. It's only a speculation. 
Okay, now imagine that you were advising the Israeli government, okay? And we've had several speeches addressing people in power saying, you must tap the power of the evangelicals and you must get their support. And that's what's important here. Ron Dermer, the former ambassador to the US, many people have said these kind of things. But imagine you were going to advise the Israeli government. How would you advise the government to address the evangelicals of the of the United States at this point? Yeah, I have three advices. The first advice is to explain uh, to do the Israeli Hasbara better in which to explain how Israel treats the Palestinians. We saw in our surveys repeatedly that um, the more you uh, think that Israel is fair, the more you will support Israel. So <laughs> explaining that Israeli point of view uh, is very important. Uh, but they do that. I don't say that they don't do that. Maybe they don't, don't do it good. They don't do it. Another point that I want to make is that there is an interesting and growing power in the United States, which is the Hispanic community. And the Hispanic community is moving more and more to the evangelical ranks. It is also happening in South America. Hispanic community is influenced by all kinds of, um, all kinds of things, but uh, overall, uh, they, they seem to be in support of Israel less than the white, less than the white, but not as low as the blacks. So definitely Israel needs to work on the Hispanic and to do more work among Hispanics because Hispanics, are, there is a potential with Hispanic, the Hispanic community. And the third recommendation is something different. So we actually conducted recently another survey among Catholics and um, the, the results just came a few days ago, and I really don't want to say too much about this, uh, this uh, research because we still have to work the data, but definitely there is a very good uh, space for Israel among Catholics, and I'm very uh, surprised to see the numbers and the, and the arguments that Catholics use, why they support Israel. There's a strong support for Israel among Catholics, and the similar arguments in support of Israel, like it's God's promise to Israel and that Israel has the right for the land. So uh, definitely Israel needs not just to work on the evangelicals, but to think broader about faith-based communities in the United States, because there is a, a place there that is, is, supports Israel. Okay, now just to close, I know here in Israel, many Jews are a little wary of tapping the evangelical communities. And, and because of the theological reasons that we've discussed and the idea that basically Jews need to build the kingdom and then get destroyed and, and be replaced, which isn't a great feeling, let me tell you. But not everyone feels that way, obviously. But how would you calm Israeli or Jewish fears of the intervention or the cooperation with evangelicals? Yeah, so on the grass, grassroots level, and we've tested it many times, uh, we definitely see that this is not what really motivates the evangelicals. Um, it was like that in the 1970s, you know, if you read the evangelical literature, like a book like The Left Behind or or the late great planet Earth. It was in the 1970s, 1980s. This mindset was more prevailing. But now when we are asking evangelicals, clearly again, again, multiple surveys, 
what motivates them to support Israel. This is the biblical promise that God made with Abraham and his offspring. So they've kind of shifted away from those things and have developed a, a different point of view that motivates them to support Israel. And it, it also connects with something else that is now very uh, strong among evangelicals, which is called a prosperity gospel, which is um, a belief that if you'll be a good Christian, God will reward you and the rewards will be even in cash. You know, if you'll be a good Christian, God will put cash in your pockets. A prosperity gospel. Uh, this is mostly very common among uh, Pentecostals. And uh, so they believe that if they support Israel, God will reward them in return. So it's not the apocalyptic ideology and the end days and that is motivating evangelicals to support Israel. It's shifted to, to other aspects which are not so, uh, you know, threatening to the ears of Jews. Moti, thank you so much for giving me your time and a pleasant journey. You're coming to Israel soon for a conference, and so a pleasant journey, and uh, thank you again. Yeah, maybe we just say that the conference is the Association for Israel Studies that will take place uh, in Barilan University. Excellent. Thank you for noting that. Thanks so much for listening to Times Will Tell from the Times of Israel, and thanks to our producer, Gilad Brownstein. Please subscribe wherever you find your podcast and check out our daily briefing news show every Sunday through Thursday. Like what you hear? Consider rating us on Apple Podcasts or Spotify to spread the word. Until next week. Shalom. Shalom.